Coming up on this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society, we're celebrating pixelated faces on low-poly bodies. It's dangerous to go alone, so the Nintendo Cartridge Society goes with you. Welcome to Nintendo Cartridge Society. My name is Patrick Ellers, and I'm joined, as I'm always joined, by my co-host, Mark Mitchell. Mark, how are you doing? I'm doing great. It's a very exciting day. Momentous. For the show, the Sonic Forces borrowing program officially becomes the Sonic Forces ownership program. It officially, uh, uh, the, the program officially changes names. I guess we were in transition this whole time. Uh, to changing to changing to to the new name, but today is also the day that we will be conferring with a random number generator and determining the brand new forever homes for my copy of Sonic Forces and my copy of Untitled Goose Game in a Sonic Forces box. Uh, and that's that's it. Then yeah. we've we've it's a long road and we've reached the end of it. And first of all, thank you so thank much you. to everybody who has participated in the Sonic Forces borrowing program program and the, uh, added your name. In these last few weeks, for the last month, people have been adding their names to the Sonic Forces ownership yes, program. Yes. So thank you to everybody. A couple people just writing in to be like, am I still on the list? Yes. I got. Look, I got you all. I went back through. Mark, I double-checked my records because I'll admit, I this has been a sloppily administered <laughs> program in the past. I mean, a perfect program. A perfect program, but sloppily administered. Um, and so I went back through every single one of my emails that had Sonic in, in the title. Every single one. So I delete a lot of emails from like GameStop or whatever, GameSpot, whoever is emailing me about Sonic the Hedgehog, um, and just double checked: Do I have this name on my list? Yes, I do. Do I not have this name on my list? No, I don't. Do not have that. The names are all on there now. It's been a long road. The Sonic mm-hmm. Forces borrowing program has been running since twenty. I can't. I don't Can care to remember? think about it. Who knows? Twenty seventeen. <laughs> Who knows? It's been point. running for a very anyways, long time. Anyways, so thank you for everyone who borrowed the game sent back the game who has kept this perfect program going all of these years yeah and i'm even going to give a special thank you to the person who uh sent it back and the game was lost in the mail i'm even going to thank that person yeah and the people who gave us the idea to include untitled goose game yep in a sonic forces box um it's been a real uh group effort that's right and we've all been perfect together but now mark we are going to select a random number or our, our virtual boy uh, guessing number guessing uh, program is going to uh, generate a, a random number. Uh, so if you can just place your face inside the viewfinder here. It of, would be my pleasure. Of the, of the virtual boy. Uh, let me just plug the battery into the controller, which is how the whole system is powered. Uh, and then if you can just uh, uh, hold the A and B and start and select buttons. They're the same buttons, just on opposite <laughs> sides of the controller. All right. The mm-hmm. first... Winner, no, not winner. Sorry, the first this person. This is not a contest. No, 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 no. Uh, we cannot stress that enough. <laughs> this is not a contest. It's a perfect borrowing slash ownership program. That's right. That's right. And, and these are uh, merely people who are. We are determining the forever home. That's all it is. <laughs> you're right. You're. I don't know why I'm overcomplicating this. The first forever home <laughs> is number fifteen. Number fifteen means that 
uh, either Sonic Forces or Untitled Goose Game, it's I, w- I will not specify which, is going to Michael in Chicago. So congratulations, Michael in Chicago. You are the new forever home for one of these games. Okay, and uh, congratulations, Michael, and one more. Yeah, stick your head back in there. Uh, hold on. I'm going to take out the cartridge and blow on it. Okay, there we go. Number 26. Number 26 is Chandler in South Carolina. So congratulations to the new uh, Forever Homes. I will be reaching out to both of these people, make sure they're still interested in this because some of these names were submitted a long time ago. Uh, and and look, if we need to continue this on the next episode, we need to continue it on the next episode. We will continue until we find true Forever <laughs> Homes for both of these games. That's right. We're not giving up on the program. No. Yeah. No. I, I mean, w- wouldn't it be a shame if they were like, nah, we just threw them away? <laughs> Um, All right, Mark, we have uh, an odd task ahead of us, so let's get into it. Let's discuss movies that should have been given the GoldenEye 007 treatment. A couple ground rules here, okay? Um, So obviously, well, first, first let's discuss why we're doing this, then the ground rules, and then what we think the... GoldenEye 007 treatment is. Mm -hmm. In that order. Mark, why are we doing this? Well, GoldenEye 007 Mm -hmm. for the Nintendo 64 was just recently released on Nintendo Switch Online plus Expansion Pack. I've been Also Xbox, uh, whatever they call their thing. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. That's right. Also (laughs) Xbox, whatever they call their thing. And uh, it's it's got, you know, GoldenEye is on everybody's brain. It's kind of like a um, celebration of GoldenEye. It's been a long time since the game has been officially available. Like the N64 version of the game has been officially available from Nintendo or from Microsoft or anywhere at all. Right. Um, do you think that this is a bigger moment for GoldenEye 007 than the like Wii game that came out. I do. I do because it, it, it feels like people are more genuinely excited about it and that there's like less undue hype about it, right? Like cuz do you remember when they revealed the Wii GoldenEye and they revealed it with like footage of like people in like focus groups and they were like uh what 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 what, what would you say if we told you that GoldenEye was coming back out? And people were like, "What? GoldenEye for real?" I, I don't remember that. You don't Is remember that what this? No. Yeah, it's a, it's like an, it's it's one of those truly insane like Nintendo Direct moments uh where it's like, "What?" Like <laughs> I don't think you need to like convince us that the game was like culturally <laughs> was relevant. Beloved. Um but they had like no other way to sell it cuz it's a game on the Wii coming out and like late Wii era, late, like, PS3 Well, era. and it was, like, a reimagining of it. Like, right. it wasn't yes. the... It wasn't GoldenEye as you remembered it. It was kind of, like, a remake of GoldenEye. So I think right. people... My memory, anyways, that... Because I've never, I've never played the Wii version. Neither have I. My memory is that people were intrigued, excited, loved the concept of GoldenEye. But when it came out, I don't really remember it making in sort of any sort of impact at all. Right, right, right. what people want is... GoldenEye 007 for the Nintendo 64. I mean, what people want is they want to be 11 and having a sleepover at their friend's house where the four of them stay up all night playing split-screen GoldenEye. Yes, but that's that's unobtainable. But what is obtainable (laughs) is Nintendo Switch Online Plus Expansion Pack where where you can relive the memories I tell you what. Of playing GoldenEye 007 or play it for the first time and wonder what is happening. The first video game publisher that is able to make me 11 years old and had to sleep over at my friend's house where the four of us stay up all night playing GoldenEye. They get my money forever. 
Um, so GoldenEye is here. Uh, it is in uh, both of our hands. I still haven't turned it on yet, uh, but I am excited to, especially with my um, Nintendo 64 controller, um, which I believe is borderline the only way to play this game. Uh, Mark, you've messed around with it a little bit. Um, and so you, uh, uh, mm, let's see. So the next step, what, what order did I say? So first, why we're doing this. Uh-huh. And then the ground rules. Have we said what we're doing? We are determining what movies should have been given the GoldenEye 007 treatment. Now, for, here, here are the ground rules for this. We need to be picking a movie. First of all, movies only. TV shows, hit the road. Mm-hmm. Comic books, no dice. Regular books, more boring than comics. Movies only, right? And I don't know about you, Mark, but I went with a, a, always a movie. Okay. Not, not like a series of movies. Yes. Um, so an, an individual movie that must have come out before the end of the Nintendo 64's life cycle. Now, what does that mean exactly? What is the end of the Nintendo 64's life cycle? Arguably, the day the GameCube came out, right? Yeah. So I think all of the ones I have chosen are between 96 and 99. Wow. Okay, so a very narrow band for for Mark. I go a little bit further back in time, but not by a lot. Um, Actually, no. All of mine are in the 90s. Uh, So I think... Yeah, all fair game. I think think these are all fair game. Um, uh, So... It's got to be a movie. It's got to be a single movie. It's got to be a movie that came out before the Nintendo 64 would no longer have been relevant. The thought exercise here is that we are like catapulted back in time and we are told to capitalize off the popularity of the adaptation of GoldenEye 007. Um, So what are the three pillars, Mark, of the things that make up, that make GoldenEye a specific like kind of video game so the first thing we chose is the mission structure yes of goldeneye 007 and not that every movie we're going to be choosing has to have like a uh use this same mission structure but the idea is that the this like mission structure is so specific to goldeneye and it works very well because james bond is a spy and he's given missions and so what we're looking for here is some sort of like level structure game structure that's reflective of the movie itself right and this is sort of born out of your observation that like you're sent into these levels and you can get from point a to point b but if you haven't like done his tasks if you haven't completed james bond's mission you fail it even though you make it to the other side right um so that's that's number one Number two is vibes you can live in. Just vibes you can live in. And, and this is something that Goldeneye, I think, continues to excel at. Like, even, even as you reflect on it 20-plus years later, where it's like, oh, this still, like, it's got the music. It's got, like, that a gadget watch, like, HUD. Um, all of those kinds of things where you're like, this feels like a James Bond property, right? So that's, again, like uh, something that we will be looking for in our own picks. And then mm-hmm. third is multiplayer that draws from a wider canon. Yes. So, uh, you know, this is something that you see in GoldenEye 007. Jaws is a playable character in the uh, in the multiplayer. He's also like a hidden mini boss or whatever uh, throughout the game. Odd Job is a, a playable character. There are a bunch of other characters. Although Odd Job is sort of, he's, he's a short guy, which uh, Odd Job is not a short guy in Goldfinger. They're sort of like mixing him up with uh, Knick-Knack from The Man with the Golden Gun. Huh. 
Isn't that odd? They just like made him small. Yeah, that is interesting. Anyway, um, so uh, we will determine what the wider canon is for the movie that we have decided here. And sometimes I think that'll be obvious because a movie is part of a, a series. And I think sometimes it will be less obvious. Yeah, I think so too. Okay, so it does. Does the premise make sense to you, Mark? We've both been thinking about it for a long time. So <laughs> yeah, I it makes sense to me. It makes sense to us. So I, I, I hope we've done a good job of explaining it. Um, would you like to offer the first, your, uh, the, the first, or would you like me to go first? I think. Uh, wait, how many? I have four. How many I, do you have? I have four good ones and one <laughs> bad one. Okay, I've, that's uh, interesting because I have three good ones and one bad one. <laughs> Um, I think it's impossible to do this only good. I think there's there's always because it's tough to like. Sometimes you'll be like, "Oh, this would be a fun game." Uh-huh. I like the idea of the wider canon, but like, what are the vibes of this thing? You're right, and I really, I, I mean, truthfully, I should not label any of mine as good, <laughs> but I have one that is just like straight out bad. Um, so let's ha- save our bad ones for the end. Yeah. Oh, okay, no, no, no. Fair. Let's no. Let's let's each do one good one. Okay. Then throw away our bad ones. And then we'll quick, do. And then, then we'll, we'll do all the rest with good. good. Yeah. Okay. Why don't you go first? Does that make sense? Does sure, that work out? Sure. Yeah. We'll do that. Uh. Yeah. Who cares? <laughs> who cares? It'll be fine. Uh. Okay. So I'm starting off with a good one, Mark. I'm pitching Star Starship Troopers 64. Oh, that's very good. That is very good. So Starship Troopers, the Paul Verhoeven, uh, you know, anti-military, anti-fascist, anti-consumerist uh, uh, piece of like uh, war propaganda. Well, it's an incredible flick, right? Uh, that like masquerades as like a dumb. Um, like army fighting space bugs movie, but is really critical of everything that is wrong with America. <laughs> um, so uh, what what I am proposing here is that the mission structure um, is always you're landing on a bug planet, um, and you have you have a, a certain number of tasks uh, of like uh, you know burn down this bug bug nest, kill this bug, whatever. Um, and then the final step is always retreat to the extraction point. Um, and it's always you and like a squad of, of guys down there. Um, and during the uh, retreat to extraction point, the difficulty ramps way up. Uh, and so it is likely that you will be killed trying to escape every single mission. Because mm-hmm. one of the things that Starship Troopers is unapologetic about is like, look at what a meat grinder the military industrial complex is. All of these beautiful people will be just murdered in cold blood to advance what sort of aims? We don't know. It's war for war's sake, right? Um, so part of what's built into this mission structure is you're going to die. Uh, and like your characters, permadeath, they're gone forever. And you just like wake up in the uh, in the hospital as like another member of the team who was <laughs> injured, and now you have to like be them. Everyone gets full fleshed out backstories, and when they die, they're gone. <laughs> uh, so that that's how I'm really leaning into like I like that the a lot themes of 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 the movie. Um, so okay, that's that's mission structure. That's how the mission structure works. Um, the uh, vibes you can live in, Mark. Would you like to know more? 
the the movie is presented in these like uh, lots of little short propaganda sort of films um and there's always a prompt to like would you like to know more and it's like you're clicking on like you are surfing the internet of this fictional universe so obviously it's going to be a lot of that in its presentation right uh where you're like selecting new missions by uh like clicking on the next like patriotic link to like serve your planet in the galactic marines um uh and then the music it's got to be all of the most like heroic uh, like faux patriotic stuff shirt, like marches and orchestral scores to make you feel like you're dying for a reason, even though you're not. <laughs> um, and then of course, everyone, all the playable characters have to be the most beautiful people in the world and uh, a fair amount of nudity in this game, I'd say. <laughs> and of course, we're talking about Nintendo 64 era. That's right. So it's, so we're uh, getting the, them. So I don't know that you'll be able to tell that it's nudity because it's all. No, you'll be able to tell. You'll be able to tell. <laughs> We'll have some, like, Lara Croft, you know, early Tomb Raider-style <laughs> breasts in this thing. Um, so that, that's that's those are the vibes that we can live in. Uh, and then for the greater canon, this is where I had a little bit of trouble, because it's like Starship Troopers isn't part of, like, a larger cinematic universe. But... I mean, I do think that they made a lot of direct-to-DVD sequels. That is possible, uh, but I refuse to be aware of them. <laughs> and for whatever reason, like, a sequel to Starship Troopers feels like it's participating in the consumerist culture yeah, more I than... Yeah, I feel like it kind of... It, I have not seen any of them, but I assume yeah. it lost its uh, satirical edge as it went on. But you know who never lost their satirical edge is Paul Verhoeven. Um, so the wider canon that we're going to draw from here is just more uh, Verhoeven movies. So Robocop's in there, the uh, characters from Total Recall, uh, and let's throw Showgirls in there. Uh, tell me you don't want to play as Elizabeth Berkley's Nomi or Kyle McLaughlin's Zack. Like, you do. <laughs> Yeah, I can't tell you otherwise. They're beautiful people for the meat grinder. You want to see them be destroyed by a giant bug. Are they? Yeah, lots of like uh, meat grinders in Paul Verhoeven movies. Uh, is this? <laughs> I don't know if you thought thought of it. Rated about AO. This. Is that your question? <laughs> Adults only. No. Is it? Um, <laughs> is it a like? Is the multiplayer just a, like a first person shooter? Oh, uh, yeah, that's that, that's that's like a great a question. Death match, basically. So in, in my mind, all of these games are first-person shooters. Yeah. Um, uh, even though that wasn't part of the the established rules. Right. Yeah, that's a great question. Is would it be deathmatch? That doesn't actually make sense that they would be fighting each other. Well, I'll, sorry, go ahead. Well, I was gonna say. Well, I mean, could there could be bugs. There you could know? be there could be it, bugs, but there also uh, there's there are the military exercises where they are like fighting oh, against sure, each war other games right there are and uh someone dies in one of them like it's a big point in the movie that like oh no what a bad idea i i would also want there to be uh missions in the game where you have to do like intelligence missions so like the neil patrick harris character um and uh when you die during those it's revealed that you're just doing it in vr so it's like they're always protecting the intelligence but uh letting the soldiers uh die on some you know, planet on the other side of the galaxy. That's a great one. That's I, a really good. It first needs pick. its teeth, Mark. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. All right, uh, my first pick is I kind of I feel like this one's a little bit of a gimme, and I'm sad that we never got it. Yes, and it's Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. Uh, 1999 George Lucas film. Yeah, yeah, and we should have because uh, I mean we had we had uh the pod racer episode one racer is the name of the game yeah but there was no like play the movie right type yes. uh, type game for uh the phantom menace and i think so talking about mission structures i actually think missions are appropriate for this 
the Jedi are sent at the beginning of the movie yep. on a mission to negotiate with the Trade Federation. There are other distinct missions throughout the entire film. Go to Naboo. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so it, it, do the mission objectives just appear as like bullet points and you just have to like just accomplish them? Or is there like another way that they're transmitted to you? Yeah, or maybe it changes throughout the game because I feel like this is one where you would, instead of all being like James Bond point of view, you would get it from different characters point of view. Yeah. And uh, so maybe when you are um, playing as like Obi-Wan or Qui-Gon, you're getting transmissions from the council. Sure. So, like, the dude with a really tall forehead. Right. I wish I just had his name right there, but I don't. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'm his so name. sorry. I don't know his name either. I don't know why I didn't just say Yaddle. Could have just said Yaddle. Yeah. You could have said uh, Mace Windu. Like, yeah, <laughs> there right. are character, yeah. characters on this council, yeah. Yoda, of course, that we know the names of. They're, they're, I think they're communicating with you. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, when you're playing as uh, Padme, maybe Qui-Gon is communicating with you. It's a. Uh, it's interesting because I feel like so much of what happens in that movie, and like in particular what our main characters do, is just sort of at Qui Gon's whims. Yeah, that he's like, I'm gonna do this now, uh, and like he is serving the Jedi Order, but he's also just kind of like, like why is he? Why is he take this kid off of off of uh, Tatooine? Like why does he do that? Yeah, no, he's going rogue all the time. He's going rogue all he's the time. Totally just uh, acting on instinct. Okay, okay. So uh, then for vibes you can live in, folks. Star Wars. It's Star Wars. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> even You don't need to tell me on it. It's even Star at, Wars. Even yeah. after The Phantom Menace, you know, when there were four movies, mm-hmm. there was a lot of Star Wars atmosphere yes. that you can pull from. And also, I mean, like, let's just talk about it. Phantom Menace, maybe the best score of all Star Wars movies. So good. It's so good. It's oh. like John Williams, like, was revitalized. Made all of these great new themes: Duel of the Fates, the Anakin theme, the uh, the uh, like Gungan march at the end of the movie, and then incorporated all of the old Star Wars stuff into it. It's incredible. Yeah, all, all the music from the prequels are just yeah, so so really good. so so good. And then finally, for characters from wider canon, again, you have like locations and characters from yeah. the first trilogy to pull in. You want to go crazy? You got some of the expanded universe stuff. Well, I oh, oh sure, expanded universe. Okay. I, I thought you were going to say like you got the rest of the prequels. No, they no, don't exist yet. They don't, they don't exist, exist yet. yet. No. Okay, great. There's only four movies and yeah. a handful of books, one of which in uh Chewie dies. Uh yeah, that's right. Crushed by a moon. <laughs> um and uh so like what? Like Dash Rendar. You can play as Dash Rendar in this and Yeah, I guess technically Prince you Zizor. Could. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. uh-huh. Okay, cool. Cool. I like it. <laughs> That's right. I actually I didn't even think about Shadows of the Empire. Didn't even think about Dash Rendar. I mean, but, honestly, how dare you? <laughs> but absolutely. What an opportunity for Dash Rendar to cross over in another Nintendo 64 game. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, Star Wars Episode 1, The Phantom Menace, my first pick. Um, a great pick. Uh yeah. What why there weren't there, there were a ton of Star Wars games. Why, why aren't there always just more? Yeah, I know. It feels like the perfect video game property. So now we do our bad ones. Now we do our bad ones. Okay. I'll go. I'll go first. Twister. <laughs> <laughs> so there's very little combat <laughs> in the movie Twister. I think it's the same here. I okay. Think the objectives, and so, like, the, the objectives, this is the part of it that I felt strongly about them. Like, this is good. Um, because you're just chasing tornadoes, right? You're trying to get different pieces of information about them. Sometimes it's by, like, just tracking them. Sometimes it is by putting that thing in its path to, like, pick up all the little tracking balls. Um, 
but your objectives will change erratically over the course of play in a single level, as that's what happens with a tornado. This moment you're chasing it, this moment you're running for your life, this moment you're trying to warn people who are in the path of the tornado, and it's just like, uh, there'll just be like a little flash on your screen and then like a crawl across the bottom being like, new objective, do this. Oh, um, fun. And it's uh, how long until it changes again? You don't know. These things are all randomized. Um, and uh, so that's that's the objective structure vibes this is what makes it a bad pick there are no vibes in twister (laughs) can you tell me what any of the music sounds like (laughs) no no uh can you tell me is there like a look that unites that movie i haven't seen it for so long yeah me too is there a point where they're using like pepsi cans as yes it's like the little spinners Uh like little propellers on the thing yeah there is that so what, you think it's like brought to you by Pepsi? <laughs> yeah, possibly. It's like, it's like Pepsi presents Twister <laughs> the video game for the Nintendo 64. That actually seems plausible. That's, I, I buy it. I tell you what. Uh, and then the the final uh, piece here is uh, who, where, what's the extended Twister canon? And this is another place where I just hit a brick wall. Unless it's like other disaster movies. Like you get the guys from like Dante's Peak and Volcano and... Uh, I mean, what, what I don't know, uh, hard rain and <laughs> hard rain, <laughs> and sure, and maybe sure, like Armageddon, maybe. Yeah, maybe I don't know. I just uh, I think. But yeah, like, I, I I like that. Like yeah. I think other '90s disaster movies could be fun. Yeah, like I think it all like fits in there, and also like why haven't these properties crossed over before? <laughs> they really should. I feel like there has to be fan fiction that mashes this stuff up. I like that. Let's look it up. But uh yeah. So that that's my that's my bad pitch. No, I like it. I like it a lot. My bad pitch kind of breaks the rules of what we were saying. It's a movie, but it's a made for TV movie <laughs> from 1996 called Mother May I Sleep with Danger starring Tori Spelling. And um This is great. It is <laughs> one not a bad pitch of a genre of movies from the nine like made for television movies from the 90s. Um, they run the gamut. There's ones where Rue McClanahan is like, uh, you know, a 56 year old woman who gets pregnant at the same time her daughter does. Like, you know, th- there's movies for all types of taste. But uh, a, a persistent theme of a lot of these movies is kind of like women in peril. Terrible things yes. happen to, and legitimately, like, terrible things or like true crime and like murders. Like, some of these are like really bleak really grisly stuff and all like based on a true story right? yeah absolutely so like yeah really grisly all starring you know um a lot of television stars from the 90s uh mother may I sleep with danger is tori spelling let me just uh i think there was like a not a remake but kind of like a riff on it that she was also in just a few years ago that was on like Lifetime, but Mother May I Sleep with Danger, first of all, great title. Yeah. Um it's let me ask you. Yeah. It it feels to me like part of that title should be parenthetical. And I can't in my head decide which <laughs> which part. Mother Mother May I Mother May I Sleep with Danger? Or is it just like Mother May I Sleep with Danger? Yeah. That Mo- sounds like the name of a song. Mother May I Sleep with Danger. <laughs> But no, it's just, there's no parenthetical. Okay, great. Just mother, like, like I'm asking you, mother, may I sleep with danger? Is there a comma after there mother? Is, there okay, is, there is, mercifully. And is there a question mark at the end of the there title? There is. Okay. Yeah. So, sometimes uh, considered unlucky, you know? Uh, who framed Roger Rabbit? Mm-hmm. There's no question mark at the end of that title. Well, I don't know. I mean, I think Mother, May I Sleep with Danger from 1996 is, like, a camp classic. Sure. But I don't think it was particularly well-regarded right. when it, it yeah. f- first appeared. So basically, it's the story of a man who 
like is crazy. And uh, <laughs> and so is he the titular danger? <laughs> he is. He yeah, is very good. He is. And then he like Tori Spelling is this young impressionable girl, the titular I. Uh huh. And so this so I. Uh, b- Billy is his name, but he goes under the assu- assumed identity of this person named Kevin. Um, and so Billy, Nate, or Kevin, Nate, Billy, uh-huh. I think that's right. These are also the names of the minions, right? Kind of like, <laughs> yeah. Kind of entraps Aaron, you know, like gets her in her web. And then he, you know, it's too late and his her mom has to like save them. I just want to, I as I was looking this up, I was trying to find like the director's name and all these details. And there's a oral history on Thrillist of Mother May I Sleep with Danger. And the director, whose name is, um, sorry, I have it written down here, whose name is Jorge Montesi, says... Uh, in the oral history, he's talking about a script rewrite, and he says, the only instruction I got from the executives, uh, it aired on a, a NBC, was to make sure that the first hour ended with the mother saying, he's a killer and he's got my daughter. I said, who is she supposed to say this to? They said, we don't care. That's your problem. Just make sure that the hour ends with her saying that line. I asked why, and they said, well, that's the promo line. That's how we're going to promote the movie. Smart. I mean, honestly, like, they they know what they're doing over there. Yeah, it's uh, it it truly is a camp classic. It's uh, an enjoyable watch with uh, friends and family. But so instead of missions, that <laughs> oh right, <laughs> there are yeah. Sorry, Mark, I forgot what we were doing. <laughs> instead I of got so lost in this mother may I sleep with danger thing. Instead of missions, mm-hmm. there are red flags <laughs> about Kevin. And you have to, and you have to trigger every one before completing a level. Sure, sure, sure. So if you miss one, what's you, an example of a red flag? Um, let's see. He uh forces you away to like a secluded cabin and makes you dye your hair platinum blonde to look more like his ex girlfriend. Yeah, red flag. <laughs> Multiple, I would say. Yeah. <laughs> uh, vibes you can live in. Two, maybe three. <laughs> Patrick, no. Uh. <laughs> The vibes you can live in. So, th- a made know, for TV movie, yeah, right? Like 90s that's, yeah, 90s TV movie. The cyber violence of danger working overtime. Yep, yep. The high emotional peril at all times, high emotion. Mm-hmm. And then the multiplayer that draws from a wider canon. You have a cavalcade yes. of stars. A lot of Melissa Joan Hart characters. Oh my gosh. Ricky Lake, <laughs> uh-huh. Candace Cameron, who we <laughs> yes. do not stand. That's right. But was in so many of these movies. There's one where she's like, says she was abducted by aliens and uh, is, like, impregnated by the aliens, and then the aliens come back. Whoa. They want the baby. Um, Lots of, and again, I'm telling you, these movies are bleak. Lots of, like, murder. Lots of uh, women being impregnated against their will. Like, that is a major theme. Uh, Melissa Joan Hart. some mature-rated games here. (laughs) Kirsten Dunst. Terry O'Quinn in a couple of these. Uh, Brian Austin Green. Neil Patrick Mm -hmm. Harris. Johnny Galecki. You know, you name it. Yeah, cavalcade of stars. <laughs> they are playable characters in... So what is the multiplayer? Are you still looking for red flags, or is it just like an all-out brawl? <laughs> no, I don't think it's an all-out brawl. I think it is almost like one of those like Friday the 13th games. Sure. Where Kevin, mm-hmm. really Billy, right. is kind of like stalking you. And he is a minion or not? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, he's not a minion. Okay, great. <laughs> <laughs> um, he is stalking you, and you have to ward and you... Choosing one of the many characters have to like ward him off. 
okay, you're great. working together to ward him yeah. off. No, I like that. I, th- I think that's I think that's really good. So that's my bad pick. Mother may I sleep with danger. Great. I think both of our bad picks uh, sound like really fun games that I would love to play. Uh, Mark, would you like to hear my next good pick? Please. I like uh, the air quotes. <laughs> air quotes on good. Um, okay, so thi- this movie, there is not a video game made for this movie. There is a video game made for uh, a trilogy that makes up the first three movies in this franchise, um, but not for this movie in particular. Uh, I'm referring here to Die Hard, and specifically Die Hard with a Vengeance, uh, which is the third one that came out in like 1994 or 5 or something like that. Um, now, first things first, this is a game on the Nintendo 64. Uh, Vengeance is spelled, in this case, V-E-N-G, 6 4 NCE. Oh, so that's beautiful. The six and the four standing in uh, for for an E and an A. It works perfectly. Write it down on a piece of paper so you can see it. That really is beautiful. I like that a lot. Thank you. The rest of the pitch doesn't matter because that's so <laughs> poetry. Good. Um, but so, uh, Die Hard with a Vengeance is the one that takes place uh, like in and around New York City, um, and uh, Samuel L. Jackson is uh, uh, Bruce Willis's like sidekick uh, throughout throughout the course of this game, uh, and they like or throughout the course of the movie and therefore also the game. Uh, and they sort of like banter and bicker throughout. Um, but so the thing that is so great about, and this is like where, where this pitch sings is that uh, the mission structure, the objectives are all riddle based. The villain in Die Hard with a Vengeance is Jeremy Irons, Simon. And he has this whole thing uh, where he's like, Simon says, do this. And it's all these like little riddles. And you have to like figure out I what he means. I don't think I've means. ever seen this one. It's, really good um i it's uh i haven't seen die hard five but it is my second favorite of the diehards if i had to rank just the ones that i've seen i'd say uh one is the best then three then it's kind of a wash between two and four they're both bad uh but in any event uh like you get all these like riddles so the mission objectives come to you not in terms of like an easy to understand bullet point but something sort of obtuse that you have to like figure out what the heck it means and then you accomplish it um so that's that's how uh that that's how the 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 mission structure works the vibes are a little bit tougher right because like what does a diehard movie look like what, what does a diehard movie sound like i'm not totally sure um but just having the constant companion of uh samuel L. jackson's zeus character uh with you uh i think would be enough and you gotta have Sam Jackson voice acting in this thing. Otherwise, like, what are we even doing? Oh, yeah, sure. Short little, like, voice snippets. Yeah, yeah, it, it, yeah. Because it's on a cartridge, so, like, you actually can't fill it up with too too much voice, uh, too many voice cues. Um, and then, okay, the wider canon to pull from. Sort of intuitive, right? You've got other Die Hard movies. Two other Die Hard movies had been released by this time. Uh, and the, it's worth it just to get um, Al Powell, the, the the cop character, Hans Gruber from, oh, the, from the first yeah, one. Yeah, totally. Uh, and Ellis, that like coked up 80s guy that's like, Bubby, I'm your knight in shining armor, right? Uh-huh. Uh, so those would be all be great playable characters. Also, as long as we're adding content from other movies, like levels based on Nakatomi Plaza and the Dulles International Airport, like, yes, absolutely. Uh, but then I was thinking, you know what movie is basically a comedy diehard? It's Airheads. <laughs> so I want to be able to play as the Lone Rangers, <laughs> Chaz, Rex, and Pip. I want to play as Ian the Shark, the uh, the uh, DJ at the radio station that they take hostage. Uh, I want to play as a sleazy music execs, Milo and Jimmy. 
Uh, I want to play as uh, Michael Richards' character in in that in that movie. I just I I want to port all of the Airheads-ness from Airheads and put it inside uh, Die Hard. Very good. Yeah, I feel like Die Hard is such is a really good pick, especially for a game that we're riffing on GoldenEye. Yeah. Like, it feels, like, perfect for it. Yeah, well, and especially the the later ones where, because, like, the first one is very, like, clean and straightforward. It's a single location, and it's, like, man versus army. Um, and it's not until, like, the sequels that it becomes a little bit more, like, he's taking orders mm-hmm. or, like, there's, like, a bigger threat to tackle than just what's happening in this building. Which is not to decry the original Die Hard in any way. It's my favorite of those movies. Um, but Die Hard with Avenged 64 uh, would be like a perfect uh, thing here. And also, like, how crazy is it that there isn't a Die Hard with a Vengeance video game? Yeah. There's just the Die Hard trilogy, which is a like bad collection of arcadey kind of like beat-em-ups. Oh, interesting. Have you ever, you've never played the Die Hard? No, I didn't yeah. even know it existed. I, I think it's on like Sega CD or something in, in arcades and stuff. Huh. Yeah, that's a great one. Thank you. My next pick is Titanic, the 1997 James Cameron film. This rules. So instead of a mission structure, what I was thinking is like, I don't know exactly. It's like a class meter. So I think that you play as Rose. Okay. And what you are trying to do is progress through the game and like find happiness really, right? Like build a relationship with Jack, find happiness without having your class meter drop too low and by, <laughs> and but but what i mean by that is like not for you personally yeah sure but for like you don't want to be found out almost so it's like right, right, it's right. almost it's in some ways a stealth game because you are trying to have the interactions you want to have right but you don't sure. want but you like the we, easiest way to rack up fun points is to go and like dance an irish jig below exactly decks. which is like it. totally fine but like the the problem is that if, arist- so if, a Christora- yeah. if aristocrats people in the first class see you doing these things then they're gonna toss you overboard exactly you see your class meter drops and so the goal through the whole thing is to find happiness Mm -hmm. without you know um being found out i guess so can you can you uh a couple questions one is can you participate in activity in other activities to like raise your class meter Mm -hmm. like after Mm -hmm. it's dropped a little bit so a that and b can you do any are there any happiness activities that you can engage in that don't that wouldn't cost you class points like and so i think can you listen to the string quartet play near my god to thee as the ship sinks which is classy and enjoyable absolutely okay great yeah but those are few and far between they are few and far between and really it's not about like it is really about like um finding your own happiness but <laughs> realizing that you have to in your world, in your specific um, case, you also just have to be aware of how other people are perceiving you. Yeah. And eventually, maybe the twist at the end is it doesn't matter. Because everyone goes into the ocean. <laughs> <laughs> Spoiler alert. Right. Um, also, those are real people. Maybe we shouldn't yeah, be laughing yeah. about it. Vibes you can live in. Nintendo my heart will go yeah, on. That's yeah. the first thing I have here. A Nintendo 64 version of my heart will go on. Are you kidding me? James Horner's entire score. Are you kidding Are me? Are you kidding Some me? Some of those beautiful vistas and sunsets, like, realized in, like, on Nintendo 64 hardware, that would be the stuff that YouTube playlists of, like, relaxing Nintendo 64 music are 
put to. Like it would just be beautiful. Yes. yes. Uh, Mark, I just I just did a little search here for uh my my heart will go on um n- n- like uh, I I did SNES uh my heart will go on. Should we listen to uh like I, a a sixteen bit? I think we should. Okay. Uh, you keep keep talking. Yeah, while I pull I'll keep it up. talking. So that's so that's vibes, and then characters from a wider canon. So yes, like Titanic, you have Molly Brown, you have um, unsinkable, a lot of other great characters whose names I don't remember. Billy Zane. Billy Zane's character. <laughs> but the you, captain. <laughs> you also have just the wider James Cameron. Sure, the, the camera to pull from. Yeah. yeah. So you have Terminator, Xenomorphs, <laughs> okay, and Ripley from Aliens. You yeah. got Linda, Linda Hamilton, and Arnold Schwarzenegger from mm-hmm. Terminator and Terminator Two. I like that uh, Schwarzenegger showed up now in two of ours because uh, he would obviously be in the Total Recall pack of characters in uh, Starship Troopers. You got the gooey thing from the Abyss. Sure. I mean, it's a uh, oh, what what do they call them? Uh, underwater? Uh, nope. Not going to get there. But yeah, that thing. Also, Hippie, the guy who's got the rat. Yeah, that's right. I mean, there's just lots of great characters that... uh, And I feel like the multiplayer is probably working together to get out of a sinking Titanic. I think that's probably right. Yeah, so it's a cooperative. It's a cooperative. Yeah, yeah. you and the Xenomorph (laughs) working together. This is like uh, Fortnite here. (laughs) Yeah, actually, yeah. Uh, Okay, so here is Titanic with uh, Super NES uh, stuff. I mean, mean, it's good. I I love this. I'm going to skip ahead a little bit. I mean, mean, this kind of like warbly pedal thing is one of my favorite. It it just hits the pleasure center in my brain. One of my favorite like SNES sounds. Uh, All right. I'm going to turn that down and then we can stop uh, weeping over here. Uh, all right, uh, Mark, uh, Titanic 64, uh, a, a perfect pitch, I think. Uh, so well done there. For my next pitch, I'm going to go to a movie, an adventure movie from 1999. So we're buttoned up against the, uh, the, the uh, l- later bound of the parameters here. Um, but straight up adventure, right? Like some of the rest of these, we have to like, kind of like think our way around, like how do you put this into an action game? This one, we don't have to worry. I'm talking about The Mummy, starring Brendan Fraser and Rachel Weisz. That is very good. Yep. Um, Can I just say before you... I re-watched this recently because it's on Hulu, and yeah. I was just looking for something to put on mm-hmm. while I did some other stuff. And The Mummy is a lot of fun. Mummy is a ton of fun. Uh, also a ton of fun, the reaction on your face when I said The Mummy. <laughs> You, you like, gulped for air. <laughs> like You couldn't believe you were hearing such a good idea. <laughs> Mission structure here, uh, honestly, pretty similar to the um, uh, to the Die Hard one, except instead of uh, you know uh, someone calling you on the phone to give you these like cryptic riddles, you're reading these cryptic riddles on ancient maps or ruins or some antiquities that are uncovered, and then you have to figure out like what it means, you know, when it says on the dagger like you know you must stab four pillars of you know whatever, mm-hmm. um, and so you're just uh, you're just doing that, and you're always going into pyramids and stuff being chased by horrible monsters and like little scared beetles that want to burrow into your skin. Um, vibes you can live in. I think just like the movie 
we're going to borrow heavily from Indiana Jones. Oh yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh because you know why what you know why 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 not? Uh it's a uh, you know, big big adventure music, um scary monsters, great vistas, great vistas, uh uh, enemies that look like they're uh, made of PlayStation 1 graphics, which is appropriate because we're on the Nintendo 64. Um, and then the extended canon, this is where it gets a little dicier because uh, while The Mummy 2 does come out in uh, 2001, that doesn't give us like a lot of other like mummy uh, canon to draw from. It does mean that we get a Dwayne The Rock Johnson's Scorpion King. We do get that. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's good. He's in there. Uh, but then I kind of wanted some help. Like, what do you think there are other like classic movie monsters that should be in here? Like, is there a Dracula? Is there a Swamp Thing? Yeah, I do. I do wonder if maybe that's what it is. Is we pull other because I know this is not you know like the Boris Karloff the Mummy, right? But I wonder Abbott and Costello are there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, why not? We pull in the other. Yes. Um, Everyone who else has fought a mummy. <laughs> I think. <laughs> Abbott and Costello? Yeah, Abbott and Costello. And then I'm trying to think of other people who have fought a mummy. Uh, Scooby and the gang. Oh, sure. Um, Let's see. Yeah, the mummy is the connective Batman tissue for probably. sure. Batman <laughs> has to have at some like point. Like Adam West, me? Burt Ward, uh-huh. Batman and Robin for sure. Um, Yeah, that's very fun. Uh, so that's it. That's the end of the pitch. It's not. A, it's not a very lengthy one because it, this is a, it's another where it's just like intuitive. Oh yes, you're running around and like you've got. Uh, it's similar to, to Goldeneye in that like you've got guns and stuff, but they're just like old timey guns. Mm-hmm. I uh, this one obviously it does not count, but watching the Mummy made me remember how excited I was for Van Helsing. Yeah. Because Van Helsing just a little bit too late, right? Well, too late and terrible. But right, it was right, like right, sure. I, you know, at that point, even sure, The Mummy Returns, not a very good movie at all. But right. I, but uh, and then all the Mummy sequels after, also bad. But I like Stephen Summer. I liked The Mummy so much that I was like, and the premise of Van Helsing sounds like it could be cool. And it's Hugh Jackman, right? Yeah, yeah. So should it, be good. Should be good. Was, Who's the bad guy in Van Helsing? I don't remember. I mean, it's Dracula, it but, like, who plays it? Right, 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 right. <laughs> <laughs> Just asking the question, who's the bad guy in Ben Helsing? Seems like it'd be obvious, but... Um, let's see. Uh, actually, uh, Richard Roxburgh, David Wedham, Will Kemp. Kevin J. O'Connor. I'm just listing people yeah, in the uh, cast. I don't really recognize. Uh, so, Richard Roxburgh is the... Uh, oh, I recognize him. He's... Uh, that guy, I, I I don't even know how to describe him, but yeah, you've same. seen him in other movies. You have indeed seen him in other movies. I think is he on Lost. Uh, is he? He's in Mission Impossible Two. Okay, he was in uh, the worst Mission Impossible movie. Yes, um, that is true. I think he's the Count in. Oh, he's the Duke in Moulin Rouge. Ah, okay, all right, yeah. Um, all right. Uh, also, Moulin Rouge was on my short list for, uh, for, for this exercise, but I couldn't crack it. No, but that... Uh, the only fun... part I could crack is the vibes you can live in. <laughs> yeah, to fun to dream about a Moulin Rouge video game in any form, though. Right. And I guess the extended cast is like, yeah, put uh, Kate and Leo, Romeo and Juliet in there. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, like it, 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 gets, it gets hard fast. Uh-huh. All right, this is my final Yes, pitch. and then my final pitch. And so I think... Uh, these are still good ones, mind you. <laughs> yeah, these are still the good ones. Um, so m- my final one is Lost Highway, the 1997 oh, yes. David Lynch movie. Yeah. 
So if you haven't seen the, yeah, for some reason, a lot of, or at least two of my picks are kind of darker, but uh, so in short, like how to describe the plot of Lost Highway, like most David Lynch movies, they are, it's a dream. Like uh, it's really, like things happen in it, but it's really difficult to say i mean characters become other characters exactly so like bill pullman plays a character in the beginning and he uh, there's this really like creepy sequence of events where he's essentially being haunted by this person and they are him and his wife are receiving played by patricia arquette are receiving like videotapes their home of them you know like sleeping and then he receives one videotape and it's he has like murdered his wife. He gets con- and he, he uh, like immediately gets put into jail. And then one day in his cell is no longer Bill Pullman. It is a completely different person. Yeah. Um, played by Leo Schreiber. But then Patricia Arquette comes back as another character. Like it's all like very. It is a movie that is just like a lot of Damon Lynch movies, just about like vibes. Yeah. And it the logic doesn't necessarily like add up. There is not necessarily like narrative resolution. It is more about just like experiencing the movie and like the first half of the movie that mark was describing is so deeply unsettling that like it is one of the more effective movies like in that it has affected me more than most movies have but i don't know i'm i could not describe what the effect is yeah it's unsettling like it is unsettling, very unsettling yeah. and so instead of missions we I th- needed more postmodern uh <laughs> nintendo 64 games so i think instead of missions i mean this is definitely like a horror game. yeah like, yeah this yeah. is like nintendo silent hill yeah so instead of missions they are dreams <laughs> you you know like you are you're in like this like miasma of <laughs> things happening to yeah, you yeah, of yeah, sequences yeah. and you kind of have to find your own meaning in them um and vibes you can live in i mean the movie has a score by angelo uh Badalamenti, who just died really recently but mm-hmm. you know uh scored twin peaks with david lynch like a lot of it's very kind of like electronica type stuff but also there were additional songs by Trent Reznor and Nine Inch Nails for certain moments in the movie. And And there's a great Smashing Pumpkins song in here, too. Yeah, because Trent Reznor produced, like, the soundtrack. So crazy that Lost Highway has, like, a music from and inspired by. But (laughs) it's like, yeah, it has... It's not Batman Forever. (laughs) Yeah, it has David Bowie, Lou Reed, the Smashing Pumpkins, others. Like, it's really crazy. That pumpkin song is great, by the way. It's called I... It's really, really cool. And then the multiplayer draws from a wider canon. Uh, I think, as is, uh, to me, fitting for a game based on David Lynch, this is also, like, a chase. You're not even, you're, uh, you are chasing other people. Like, it's almost like tag. Like, you're trying to But occasionally you become the person. Exactly. Like, (laughs) everybody's trying to, like, chase everybody else. and. Uh, it has to be a game where the uh, like victory is never achieved and unclear how you would even achieve it in the first place. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, you have characters from other David Lynch mo- movies and projects like Agent Cooper from Twin Peaks. I love that Cl- Kyle McLaughlin is on this list <laughs> <That's> twice. twice. <laughs> uh, the many characters played by Laura Dern in, yep. the, the, in yep. many projects. Uh, in fact, uh, Kyle McLaughlin could also be his character from uh, Blue Velvet. Of course, so, uh, yeah. You know, multiple Get the multiple drive skins, girls on there. Yeah. You know, multiple like uh, outfits that you can yeah, choose. I from. love it. I love it so uh, much. Nicholas Cage from Wild at Heart. Yep. You know, Naomi Watts from Mulholland Drive. Um, 
so yeah, that uh, that that's my final pitch is Lost Highway 64. Wow, God, that is so good, Mark. And I just I want you to know that you have vaulted us into uh, like high art <laughs> of of Nintendo 64 uh, games, and I'm about to drag us down <laughs> into the gutters to pitch to you Mallrats 64. <laughs> I mean, that's a good one. <laughs> Thank you. That is good. Mallrat 64, based on the Kevin Smith film of the same name, without the 64. Um, there, uh, the, the mission structure here is as follows. Uh, every level, there's like a chunk of the mall that you have, to, uh, you have to be in. And there are two different versions of each level. One is the Jay and Silent Bob version, and the other is the Brody and TS version. So Brody and TS have their, uh, their objective, which is always like get the girl or like impress the, you know, whatever. Um, and Jay and Silent Bob are just there to mess stuff up. So you had to play through as one of them and then you had to play through as the other. And sometimes their uh, objectives are complementary, and sometimes they're in conflict with each other. And if you, when you play through as one, that's just like happening by itself. And then when you play as the other, you have to like deal with your actions from last time as the other characters. That's cool. Um, so, so, you know, and it's uh, Jay and Bob are almost always just like, messing stuff up they get you know grapple guns and like they fly or they're trying to ruin the, the game show taping that's happening inside the mall for some reason um so that's how that all works uh the vibes you can live in i mean you just get that mall right you get that mall you get like a, a weezer b-side from the 90s uh you you call up silver chair and see if they've got anything they haven't put out uh and then you just like slap that on there um a, the kevin smith um the milieu of the mid 90s is not hard to emulate also let's put just like a, a vcr like grain on, mm, on top mm -hmm. of everything and then finally uh drawing from the greater canon uh this one's pretty easy right you just do the rest of the kevin smith viewisk universe so you got uh, donde and randall randall from um clerks um maybe you skip chasing amy because like it's all the same actors that are in uh mall rats well, you know, why not? We, we, we can put him back in there again. But where it really blows up, Mark, where it really blows up, and it still fits because Dogma came out in 1999, you get all the characters from Dogma in there. <laughs> you got two angels played by uh, Ben Affleck and um, uh, Matt Damon. Uh, also, if we really, really wanted to, Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back comes out in August of 2001. Okay, so, so it would be before the GameCube comes out. Um, not by a lot, but really, I just want the I just want the monkey that travels with them. I want the monkey to be a playable character in there. I have just one thing that just really brings me a lot of joy from this is you know the Kevin Smith universe. All all of, a lot of these that we've talked about. Again, imagining the character select screen for the multiplayer. I know where all of these are rendered in low polys. Yes, with d d really really basic digital images yeah. of the actors like mapped onto their faces and really lo-fi voice clips of like snooty voochies you know like <laughs> it would just be great it would be that'd be a lot of fun uh so that that's mark that's my final pitch i think we came up with i know we said some bad ones but i think these were all good uh so let's close this out <laughs> All right, that is going to do it for this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society. If you have any movies from the 80s or 90s that should have...
If you have any movies from the 80s or 90s that should have been given the GoldenEye 007 treatment, you should write in to us at Nintendo Cartridge Society at gmail.com. Uh, that's going to do it for this episode. You can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Patrick underscore Ellis Marks at MK Mitchell. The show's at Nincart Society. There's also a Discord, which you simply must get in. Uh, we are having fun conversations about Nintendo all the time. There's maybe a direct incoming sometime soon. I don't know. We're speculating a lot about it in the Discord. Get in there. Um, uh, send us an email, and we will send you an invite. Anthony DeLuca made our logo. Our theme music is provided by Ape Betty. You can get more of his music by going to apeatbetty.com or by listening right now. For my co-host, Mark Mitchell, this is Patrick Ellers saying thank you for listening. 